bust out the brooms. It is a weekend sweep for the Cougars. Hello and welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Very excited for today's episode. Two games this past weekend, two wins for Charleston. That's three wins in a row. Feeling pretty good about this team, feeling cautiously optimistic. Today on the show, our good pal, Everett German, who called the Drexel games on Saturday and Sunday because he calls every game for CFC. The voice of the Cougars himself stopping by to recap things. We are going to discuss Zepp Jasper coming through in the clutch on Saturday, Charleston putting the clamps on Cam Winter and the Dragons, the defense looking a lot better, and oh yes, of course, we're going to talk about Brendan Tucker dropping the 35-piece McNugget yesterday, one of the best individual performances we've seen by a Cougar in the past few years, and one of the more unexpected performances in some time. Breakout game for the sophomore guard, who we've always been high on. And we spoke last week about the fact that he was right there for a breakout game. His shots were falling from all over the place on Sunday. So like all Cougar fans, I was delighted to see him have that sort of game. And it got Charleston another big CAA win. Like always, hit subscribe on this podcast on the app of your choosing. Give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram, wherever you'd like. Let's bring in Everett. All right, I'm very excited to welcome in for the first time this season a guest who has been on many times, the voice of the Cougars himself, Mr. Everett German. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing good, Tommy. How are you? I'm doing well. We were just talking before I started uh, recording here that we get to talk about a sweep today. And we, you are just, uh, you're only two hours removed from the end of the game, so I appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, no, not a problem at all. A good weekend for uh, Cougar basketball Hopefully it's the start of some big things in terms of just the kids playing well, the defense uh, coming back to life, and then offensively just getting some, you know, some big performances from uh, multiple people over the weekend. Yeah, so much to talk about today. We're going to have to talk about Brendan Tucker. I want to get to that. We're going to talk about Zepp Jasper coming up clutch in that game on Saturday. I think the the best way to do this uh, with this back-to-back game is just start with game one and then talk about game two, but... Like I said, plenty to get to. So let's start with Saturday's contest. The Cougars pull this one out by the skin of their teeth. 61-60, Zepp Jasper is the hero. This game started off slow for the Cougars. I think they fell down 13-2 or something like that early. They crawl back in it. Peyton Willis has another career high, 22 points. I thought the Cougars got some big contributions from guys like D'Angelo Epps and Cam Copeland. Kind of a weird game in the box score. Only four Cougars played, or only four Cougars scored more than a basket. It was Copeland, Epps, Willis, and Jasper. But they do enough to get it done. What were your What were your impressions from Game One on Saturday? Yeah, it kind of felt like Tommy, like a heavyweight, you know, boxing match where both teams just throwing punches. As you mentioned, Drexel came out first and landed their first right hook. And give credit to Charleston; the shots weren't falling uh, initially, but through some. Pretty much good defense on really everybody, maybe except James Butler. Uh, Charleston was able to kind of hang in there. And I thought the key in that game was the the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half where Charleston kind of went on that 13 to nothing run. Um, Of course, Charleston took the lead early in the second half. But again, like a boxing match, you know, Drexel was not going away. They came back and it looked like they were going to, you know, escape with a victory. But uh Luckily, Zepp Jasper and his heroics, uh, you know, Zepp being a 90% free throw shooter, uh, able to step up to the line, you know, with 0.6 seconds left. So 
just a good back and forth game, two solid teams. Unfortunately, Charleston was able uh, to get uh, the, the win on Saturday. So I did not get to see the video feed because it was down on Saturday's game. So I, I had depended on you and Danny to paint the mental picture for me, and you guys do a great job. I saw the foul on Zep Jasper actually from Marquise Pointer's Instagram stories. Looked pretty close to me, but glad uh, the Cougars got the call. Kind of made up for that phantom call uh, when Drexel broke Charleston's win streak a couple years back. Right. Um, and, and Zep, yeah. Uh, what what do you think of Zep uh, pumping up the crowd in between in between attempts that make you nervous? I think no, not really, because if you know Zep, he's a very confident kid. He's a kid that really works on this game um, a lot. And again, he shoots ninety percent from the free throw line. So I'm more uh, shocked and surprised when Zep misses. And it seems like now that you don't have a Chile, you don't have a Brantley, you don't have a Riller anymore, that Zep has kind of took it upon himself to kind of step up and be that leader. You know, offensively, but yeah, definitely when it comes from the free throw line, uh, that's the least of my worries when it, you know, when it comes to him. And, you know, it really, it was a foul. Even on my initial call, I saw uh, my Matej Juric uh, make contact and he didn't even dispute the call, which further mm. tells you that it definitely yeah. was a foul. The official was right on top of it. He had his hand uh, raised with the fist, which indicates a foul. And uh, fortunately it was called. Uh, with Zep shooting and he knocked him down uh, as expected. Yeah, credit to Zep for coming through there. You guys, both you and Danny, seem high on Cam Copeland, and he had a really nice game in this one uh, after a, a good Sunday game against Delaware. 11 points, really efficient, five for six. He hit a three. What are your thoughts on Cam? You know, Coach Grant has been saying all season long that Cam Copeland is probably his second best. Uh, pro pro pros, prospect behind Peyton Willis. You look wow. at Cam, the long arms, athletic, and I don't know if you had a chance to hear the post game, but I think Cam would be playing more, but he got here in August. There was no yeah. summer workouts. He was kind of behind the guys in terms of learning the system, but give him credit when he got his opportunity starting back on last Sunday against Delaware, he's made the most of it. And you look at him and he kind of reminds, you know, speaking with J.D. Powell, uh, he said, you know, he kind of reminds him of uh, uh, Andrew uh, Wiggins that we had, Andrew, Antoine Wiggins that we had back in, you know, the heyday under Coach Kramitz. Yeah. He's a long, lanky, athletic kid. Now, maybe uh, Antoine was a better finisher, but Cam has shown that potential. And I think today as well, you know, you kind of put him at the top of that zone. Uh, he just causes problems because of his length and his athleticism. So, yeah, we think that, you know, hopefully this is a coming out weekend for Cam. He was able to get 26 minutes on Saturday. Didn't get as many today, but when he's in the game, a good thing just seem to happen. Yep, efficient game. He's always good for a block or two, a steal or two. Yeah, he seems to really be, be coming around. You mentioned the defense earlier. I thought Zepp Jasper on Saturday played a great game on Cam Winter. Really limited him. Winter only scored four points. You mentioned James Butler going off. He's always a problem for the Cougars and, and for everyone else in the CAA. But the Honey Badger really put the clamps on Cam Winter, and I think that really helped stymie uh, the Dragons there. Yeah, it kind of warmed down. I mean, he played 38 minutes, uh, just two of 11 from the field, missed all three of his three-point attempts. And also the Honey Badger kind of forced him into six turnovers. So he did have six assists, most, most of those coming to James Butler, who I'm sure you heard me describe him as a poor poor man's uh, Mark Madsen, the yeah. mad dog who used to play at Stanford. Um, not the most athletic, but definitely the most uh, efficient and fundamental. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it was a tough day for Cam. You can tell he was trying to starting to get frustrated uh, between the Honey Badge, who primarily guarded him. I think Peyton guarded him a couple of times uh, as well. And defensively for Winter, who came in two Saturdays game, averaging 20 points to hold him to just four. A remarkable uh, defensive job that Charleston did on not only him, but really the team as, you know, Drexel only scored 24 points uh, in the second half yeah. on the, in the loss on uh, Saturday. And you mentioned the the runs. It seemed like these teams were just trading 7-0 run, 10-0 run, the, the whole game. When Charleston does fall into those lulls offensively, and we've seen it a couple times, the, you know, the Northeastern one last year was a tough one. What do you think the team needs to do to kind of break out of that? Because they they do struggle to to get out in transition or or to score easy buckets sometimes. Do you think there's a remedy for that, or is that just going to come uh, as the season goes on? Well, right now, as you know, we're really not getting much in terms of offensive output from our, our front court on a consistent basis. That being you know, O.C., uh, also Keegan and Ontavius. So for that standpoint, the one area that we seem to mostly have a, a mismatch is whoever's guarding Peyton Willis. And he's a big 6'4 guard. And to be able to kind of get him on the block, you saw it a couple of times. They had Matei uh, Jurich, who's all of maybe 5'11", 6 feet, you know, guarding him. And when the jump starts aren't falling, you got to just go to the post, get to the line somehow, some way. Uh, Brendan Tucker, obviously a great driver of the basketball, but yeah, when you're just not selling for jump shots and just attack the rim or can feed the post. I know they tried a couple of times, you know, getting into Olsey, but as we all know, that's really not his strength. In terms of his back to the basket where he has to put the ball on the floor, because a lot of times teams will come and double and, you know, dig it out of his hands. So uh, I think that's that'll be the next step is not having those extended scoring droughts. But when you find yourself in the midst of one, uh, being able to somehow, some way uh, get to the free throw line. So Charleston does eke out the victory on Saturday. They moved to two and one in the CAA. And then I was really curious to see what was going to happen on Sunday, because in that Sunday game against Delaware, you saw a lot of guys who didn't contribute on Saturday step up and the depth really paid off for Charleston. They had a big game from Cam Copeland. King came in and had some buckets. Harvey came in and had some buckets and it just Lorenzo Edwards hit a three or so. So I was really wondering who, besides the four guys I mentioned who scored uh, multiple baskets on Saturday, who was going to step up. And we've been a little critical of Brendan Tucker on the podcast. Last week we were saying, you know, he's making the, the difficult part of the job, which is getting that first step on guys look easy, but he's having trouble finishing at the rim. We had mentioned he needs to go to the Grant Riller Academy for finishing at the basket. He had a tough game on Saturday. I was hoping for better on Sunday, but man, oh man, I was not expecting the 35-point outburst out-of-body game for Brendan Tucker, but something that we, we've known as Charleston fans that he's capable of because he can get to the basket with such ease. And when he's making those layups, you see how efficient he can be. But just talk a little bit about what you thought of Brendan Tucker today. In addition to going to the Grant Riller School, he may also want to hang out with uh... – Andrew Godlock, when he comes home this summer. Get a little develop, floater game. Yeah, and develop the floater game because you're right. He has no problems, no issues at all getting to the paint, but it's almost like sometimes he gets too deep and he kind of gets himself caught. And so today, even in a couple of times, he was able to make the shots, but they were very somewhat difficult layups because of the way he kind of moves the basketball kind of back and forth and he tries to put that spin on it. And, you know, fortunately today, the shots fail. Um, he said when the first layup went in, which 
you know, if you remember that one, Tommy, that one almost came out as well, but it, it fell for him. Um, he kind of knew today was going to be a good day. Driving and scoring at the rim should not be a problem for Brandon Tucker because of his athleticism. It's the jump shot that I think will take him to the next level because, as you know, starting next weekend with Bill Cohen, the scouting report on him is going to be let the kid shoot. You yeah. cannot stay in front of him. He's too quick. But if he beats us, you know, shooting five or seven from behind a three-point line, we just have to live with that because that is the weakness of his game. But today, Tucker was just, I mean, phenomenal. I started running out of words to describe what I was seeing as, you know, it's one thing to score 35 points. It's another thing when you're 13 for 16 from the floor, including five of seven uh, from behind the three-point line and connect to all four of your free throws, which also has been a sore spot uh, for Tuck. So for Tucker to have that type of day, and let's not forget, Tommy, he also had five steals on the defensive (laughs) end. I mean, he He was – I mentioned on the broadcast, I'm like, listen, I know there's contact tracing, but we need to find out Brandon Tucker tracing. Whatever he did this morning – we need to make sure he does it every Saturday and Sunday morning because today uh, was just a special performance. And I hadn't seen a performance like that from a Charleston kid probably since I probably say Grant, you probably remember the game uh, at TD arena against William and Mary. I think it was Grant's birthday where he scored like 28 points in the first half. He absolutely mm-hmm. could not miss. Uh, but yeah, today was just a special day for Tucker and probably for the first time in a year and a half told me, I actually saw him smile, which told me that he was having fun seems like things have started to slow down for him now. Hopefully this is just the beginning of a big uh, season and career for Brandon Tucker. I mean, if he just needs to see his first shot go, maybe set play to start every game, quadruple screen for Brandon Tucker to get to the rim, that maybe that's all we need. (laughs) A lot of the younger guys are playing more this season. And I know Charleston fans, myself included, have been like, what's the ceiling for these young guys, these sophomores and these freshmen uh, they haven't really competed for an all rookie spot yet. And, and, you know, part of that is coach Grant wants to get old and stay old with his, his personnel and his players on his team. But you see the talent with guys like King and Harvey and, and D'Lo and Tucker, he just put it all together. I mean, that Delaware game, we saw their freshman Arletti come off the bench, ice cold and pour in 20 plus. And I know some Cougar fans were like, Ugh, do, is, is there a, freshman or a sophomore on our roster who can pour in 20 because Peyton, Zepp, and Lorenzo are the only guys to ever score 20 plus in a game. But Brennan Tucker just ruined all that and poured in 30 plus and, and made it look easy. So really high on on his potential. I think he's going to have a, a really solid career here as well. And all of a sudden he looks like a guy who who's going to compete for all CAA spots in his career. He's still got two and a half years to play at least. Yeah, exactly. Of course, this year being a bonus year, could actually stay another year if he wanted to. And, you know, two names that you didn't mention in terms of youngsters that I'm the most excited about, that we didn't see him this weekend because he was hurt, but Davion Houston, Mm -hmm. um, the the Sunday game at Delaware, seeing him on the floor, he is a true point guard. No knock knock on Zep, because obviously Zep does a phenomenal job, you know, running the team and also scoring. But, you know, Zep sometimes has a tendency to kind of, I don't want to say make the offense stagnant, but the the dribbling in, in one position just have, kind of lulls people to sleep, you know? Damian is like a true quarterback. Like I, Danny and I say, he because of his build, I mean, he's so stocky and, and thick. He kind of reminds us of uh, Khalid El Amin from the Bays back in UConn, uh, a point guard that had girth that could really run a team, not necessarily looking to score, can score, 
but would rather get assists and, and run the offense out there, you know, for Coach Grant. So we didn't have him this weekend. They think he'll be back next weekend for Northeastern, and that would be huge if he can, because again, now you're uh, will be able to give Zep and also Peyton a little bit of a, a breather off the ball and have those guys fresh down the stretch. And then Keegan Harvey, you know, you think back to game one against North Carolina, like literally a deer in the headlights. Yeah. And all of a sudden now, you know, he's banging in threes from NBA range and shooting it with confidence. Still needs to get a little stronger uh, underneath to be able to battle the James Butlers and the, you know, guys of that nature that kind of the crafty veterans. But uh, Keegan is slowly but surely, I think the game is starting to slow down for him as well. He's starting to see things. He actually grabbed some uh, rebounds as well. Uh, in the win earlier today. I think he had four, if I'm not mistaken, but, you know, three for three from the floor, two for two from behind the uh, behind the line. It gives Charleston an entirely different dimension and look when he's on the floor as opposed to Olsey, who's primarily, you know, underneath. You get a pick-and-pop situation with Keegan Harvey. You just can't, per se, uh, worry about the ball because if you throw it back to Keegan, uh, the Australian definitely has the ability to knock down the three. We got to think of a nickname for Keegan Harvey. I'm, I'm going to workshop that this week yeah. and, and come yeah, back to something. Yeah, that would be your homework. <laughs> I, I, I thought about Harvey from down under, but that's just not – doesn't really have a ring. So I'll let you work on that one, Tommy, and then I'll I'll give you credit for whatever you come up with. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I think I think Keegan found out that he can just stand straight up and block shots. He, was, he yeah. wasn't jumping at guys today. I think he blocked Butler maybe one time doing that. He's just got the length to to disrupt things like that. And by the way, one of the nicest kids, you know, really all the kids on the team. That's why I love being around these kids. The little bit that I am allowed to be around them because of obviously uh, COVID uh, policies and procedures. But uh, yeah, he's just a good kid, just so respectful, just as all the kids are. And that's why I think uh, and I hope good things are in store for this team. For sure. For sure. Um, now, we mentioned the runs in that first game. They were exponentially bigger in this one uh 17 2 drexel run to really crack things open right before halftime but credit to coach grant and the staff i don't know what adjustments they made um but they had that 16 nothing response from about the 15 minute mark of the second half to about the 10 minute mark to to go back on top brendan tucker had a lot to do with that but i also thought switching to the zone defense which coach grant almost never does really threw drexel for uh, for a loop there yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to have anything bad or negative to say about, you know, Coach Grant, and this is not even negative or bad, but that is the one thing that I wish Charleston did more of was switching the defenses. Sometimes just giving a different look, whether it's coming out of a timeout or just, you know, making the, the offense adjust. And if you remember in the game today uh, when Charleston was in control in the first half and when Drexel went to the zone, that's kind of how they went on yeah. their big run at the end of the first half. So as we all know, today's game, all the kids, they want to work on, you know, dunks and, and three-pointers, but that mid-range game is almost non-existent. And as you know, against the zone, the way to beat it is to get the ball in the middle of it, right around the free throw line if you can, and attack it that way. So, yeah, switching defenses, Charleston had a ton of success with that uh, today. They stayed in, you know, it's called Fresno, was the name of that defense, and uh, I'm sure Earl Grant learned that from Greg Marshall, who, of course, learned that from, you know, the king himself, uh, Coach Crest. That's right. So, yeah, it would not surprise me, especially if Charleston continues to somewhat have uh, some issues with their on-the-ball defense and teams being able to drive them straight to the rim uh, without a lot of resistance. Uh, Look for Coach to, you know, again, maybe play a little more zone 
And again, when you have the long arms of Cam Copeland out there kind of disrupting things at the top, that kind of sets the tone, you know, for the zone. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. That was a huge uh, switch today because, uh, yeah, Drexel was starting to kind of get into a groove offensively against our man-to-man defense. And then in the second half, keep in mind, this was Drexel's first time doing the the new back-to-back schedule because they didn't play the first weekend. I think you really saw the fatigue set in that second half, not just mentally against the zone, but just shorting shots, tired legs, you know, not backpedaling on defense. Uh, did you see that from your vantage point? Just Drexel seemed to, to wear down there late. Absolutely. Coach Grant said it before the Delaware series that with this new scheduling format, you have to have a bench. You have to at minimum play, you know, eight to nine to 10 guys. And you definitely can't or shouldn't play a guy 32 plus minutes on Saturday, knowing that you have a, you know, 24 hour turnaround uh, to play another game. And you think back to Saturday, uh, their major players, that being like Butler and, and Winter, uh, also bigger staff, Walton, uh, all those guys played 32, 34, 35 minutes mm-hmm. and didn't really go to their bench. They got a little bit of help from Perry and, and Urich. Um, also, I think Oden came in for a little bit. But for the majority of their minutes, it was logged by those starters. And so you're right. The first thing that goes when you're tired and, and fatigued is those legs. And that's why, um, you know, in the second half, that's what we saw. You A couple of air balls, uh, shots nearly, just barely hitting the rim. Then, of course, sometimes they tried to overcompensate, which made the shots uh, go long and obviously hit the back of the backboard or the back of the rim. So, yeah, I think between the, the zone and the tired legs and the fatigues and just the, the pressure, especially on Cameron Winter, that, you know, Charleston threw at him the entire weekend, uh, that just kind of wore uh, him and his teammates down. Yeah, definitely. Now, I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill with this, but no Dontavious King in Sunday's game. Do you make anything of that? You know, I meant to ask Coach about that in the post game. Normally those types of situations, Tommy, I don't want to, so to speak, put Coach on the spot. Yeah. I like to ask him before, and if it's a favorable answer or something that's not, you know, anything serious, uh, then, you know, ask him on the air. Well, Coach literally arrived just as we were going to his segments. I didn't get a chance to prep him, so I didn't ask him. But – I'm big in like reading body language and so forth and so on. And I never saw Dontavious pouting. Uh, I saw him cheering on his teammates. He was very involved uh, in the huddles, things of that nature. So I'm taking it. It's a situation where he may have known that he wasn't going to play. They dressed him. I don't know all the particulars. I don't want to speculate. So I find it hard to believe that if he was available or if it wasn't a suspension, that he just would not play at all. So we'll see what happens. Um, actually, I'll be taping the uh, coach's corner with coach tomorrow, and I'll ask him, and I guess you can find out the answer when the coach's corner comes out <laughs> about the availability of Dontavious King uh, for Northeastern because we definitely will need him uh, this upcoming weekend against the Huskies. To Harvey's credit, though, he was the first kind of big off the bench, and, and he played really well. So maybe it was just a matchup issue or coach liked what he saw from Harvey in the game before. We'll, uh, we'll sometimes, you know, Don Tavis, he's still young. He's still learning. Um, you know, sometimes body language is not the, the best. I know he sometimes gets frustrated because, you know, he's just not – we've seen flashes of brilliance from Don Tavis, and then we see him kind of get frustrated with himself. Shots aren't falling, uh, gets in foul trouble, so forth mm-hmm. and so on. So it could be just a situation where, hey, man, we need you down the stretch. You know, today you're, you're not going to play – 
We just need you to watch, observe, be a good teammate, and be ready to go. But uh, I'll definitely find out the situation with him uh, on tomorrow. Gotcha. We appreciate it. So Cougars do move on to three and one. They've now won three straight. We always say you hope to kind of split those road games and win at home. Charleston's done that so far with the split in Delaware and then Drexel at home. Both these teams they've played so far were ranked above them in the preseason rankings. So I think fans are rightfully feeling a little bit more optimistic. But Northeastern is coming down uh, the road next weekend. They were ranked below the Cougars, but they look like the best team in the CAA so far. They just swept Hofstra, who is the preseason favorite. Always a challenge playing a Bill Cohen team. What are you looking for uh, next weekend? Yeah, I, admittedly, I have not seen or really paid much attention to Northeastern other than just, uh, you know, checking the score uh, of their games. I do know that they, as you just said, uh, swept Hofstra. I know Hofstra was the preseason favorite to win uh, the conference. I see Northeastern are five and five right now. And, you know, they looks like they split with UMass, lost a tough one uh, at Syracuse by six. Uh, got handled pretty pretty good at Georgia as well as uh, at West Virginia. But yeah, to sweep Elon and Hofstra, that's saying uh, a lot because I know both of those teams are solid. They're uh, obviously Hofstra game, picked to win it all. And Elon, we know what uh, those guys have been doing. So yeah, for, for Northeastern to be 4-0, it's going to be a tough task. Uh, looks like Tyson Walker will still be the main focus uh, for those guys. And, you know, I see Jason Strong also playing well. He's averaging double figures. Shaquille uh, Walker, Walters is back. Yep. And uh, Jameel Telford as well. So some new names, also some returners uh, that'll be back for Bill Cohen one of the top coaches, if not the top coaching in terms of X and O's uh, in the CAA. So Charleston will definitely uh, have their hands filled this weekend. Yeah, I haven't watched uh, too much of the Huskies either, but I will save you the scouting report and just say it is the usual Bill Cohen team where there's a really good point guard in Walker. They are young, but they are deep and they play good defense, just like those Northeastern teams have the the last couple of years. So it's going to be a good measuring stick for the Cougars. I'm glad they don't have to go up to Boston for this game because that is a tough place to win despite the uh, lack of crowd, but uh, just tough to, to beat Northeastern on the road. Um, yeah, going to be a good game. Looking forward to it. But Everett, I have taken a lot of your time. Do you have any additional thoughts on the Cougars or Charleston basketball as a whole? Uh, just exciting. I mean, I think a lot of people probably were down on the kids uh, after the non-conference portion of the schedule, we went two and five. But just want to remind people that was a tough non-conference schedule. We could easily, you know, schedule a bunch of limestones and you know been undefeated. But coach wanted to challenge. And when you play teams, you know, like North Carolina, when you play teams like Furman and, and Marshall and Georgia State, those are some teams that are going to do well in their conference play. So the fact that I think. That tough non-conference schedule has prepared the kids for what they're seeing now and why they're having success. Things that we may not have necessarily been able to do against those teams were having success, and it seems like the team is kind of gaining momentum. And this weekend, it would not surprise me at all if Charleston, you know, were to sweep Northeastern. I think, obviously, worst-case scenario, you probably want to go one-and-one, one, uh, be able to get one of these two from Northeastern. But Charleston definitely has the talent. Uh, we'll be here at home. Hopefully the crowds have been phenomenal. The students will be back. 
So maybe that could kind of give us a little edge as well as I think, Tommy, we may be the only team in the CAA that's allowing fans to come in and, you know, getting a thousand, twelve hundred fans. That makes a difference, you know, in a close game, which is what we've seen from Charleston thus far. So, uh, again, hopefully we'll have Davion back. Hopefully we'll have Dontavious back. We'll have our our Big Ten and the guys will continue uh, to play well. Obviously, I don't expect Brandon Tucker to score 35 points every game. But that also being said, I don't expect uh, Peyton Willis to have a game like he had today where he only scored six points and Zepp only scored seven. So, yeah. you know, I think if we can somehow find a way from the big three, that being Zepp, uh, Peyton Willis, and one other, whether it be Tucker or whether it be Edwards or Copeland or King or whoever, if we can get 50 points uh, from those three between 45 and 50, I think that bodes well for Charleston, and that could be the formula uh, for success. And then just continue uh, to play defense like we've been playing over the past couple of weekends, and uh, we should be good to go. It is interesting to kind of every game you sort of spin the wheel and see who the mystery score is going to be. And it landed on Brendan Tucker today. It's been on King before or, or Copeland. Um, so that has made the season interesting. And, and you mentioned the, the tough non-conference schedule. I'm all for the, the tough non-con preparing you for CAA play. Uh, Northeastern does it every year, and they always look really sharp. I think the Cougars have looked a lot better after the Christmas break. Yeah, I think that Christmas break, Tommy, was some soul-searching. You know, they didn't really particularly play well at Georgia State, but Coach Grant kept saying that he really likes this team, and he thought this team had a chance to do something special. And I'm sure uh, many Cougar fans, and to a certain degree myself as well, were kind of looking at Coach like, all right, coach, we understand it's <laughs> one division, one win. Yeah, but uh, okay. But that just goes to show you why coach is such a great coach. Him and his staff, I mean, they know their teams. They see their kids in practice. It was just a matter of these shots falling. So what has happened though now, Tommy, is as you get ready for Charleston, you know, you, there's no more of just, okay, we got to stop Riller or we got to stop Brantley or, or Chile or whoever it is now, you know, okay, it could be Willis. It could be Jasper. It could be Tucker. It could be Copeland. It could be Keegan Hart. I mean, it could be anybody. Now, we know who the big two are, but you saw today where even when those two uh, maybe not have their best game, we still have that ability to play well and come away uh, with them. I mean, against a very good Drexel team. I mean, Cam Winter is one of the top guards. Uh, James Butler, obviously, you know what he can do in the post. They're the only team in the conference that had two preseason all-CAA first-team members. And T.J. Biggerstaff, I mean, that kid, he's improved uh, tremendously uh, as well. And every time I see Zach Walton, I'm like, this kid could easily play, you know, at a power five school. And, of course, he had 17 uh, points today. So, and Zach Spiker, he's a good coach. I mean, he does a good job. I'm sure he's feeling bad because he probably feels like he let two slip away from him this weekend. But uh, that's a good Drexel team, and that's a team that will definitely make some noise uh, going on uh, further on in the season. So just glad that Charleston was able to uh, get the two wins this weekend against a, a very good Drexel team. And we don't have to see these teams again, which is the the interesting quirk in the schedule now uh, until the postseason. So yeah, I missed the old the trip to Philly and to the <laughs> to the DAC um, with their you know four or five hundred fans that they have there as well. The the old high school gymnasium, but uh, going to miss making that trip. But you know what? I mean, it is what it is. Like we talked about before we started this uh, interview, Tommy, I'm just glad we have basketball. I mean, we saw, what, two, four CAA teams not play this weekend, uh, two games or two series, I should say, because of, of COVID. 
So uh, it's serious out there, but our kids fortunately have been able to, uh, for the most part, just stay COVID free or not allow it to affect uh, the season. And hopefully uh, we won't have any issues. You know, we'll be getting tested starting on Tuesday. It's our routine test day for me. I only get tested once, but the kids, uh, they get tested three times a week. So uh, hopefully we won't have any issues this weekend. And Northeastern will be in town on Saturday and Sunday at uh, one o'clock. That's right. Knock on wood. That pair of games still happens. And uh, Everett, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. Just uh, looking forward to hearing you on the mic next weekend. Sounds good, man. Well, wish we could have gone three and zero this weekend, Tommy. You and I both are fans of the uh, Washington football team, and came up a valiant effort. Yep, exactly. Yep, your four string quarterback, who appears to probably be the best of the four that I've seen play for the uh, football team this year. Nothing to be uh, sad about. And I don't know about you, Tommy, but I'm hearing a lot of rumors about DW four potentially coming Ooh, to a that's so I'm like, you know, dream what? come true for you. You can have everybody on the on the football team roster. The only person that you cannot touch is Chase Young. That's Anybody right. else? We'll package them up, send it to you with a nice old bowl, some uh, chocolate chip cookies, and a couple of draft picks. And yeah, Santa walk Watson to us. The the Heineke stock is very high right now. Maybe you throw him in the deal, and and that gets it done. We'll see. Exactly. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Everett. Hey, not a problem at all, Tommy. Nice talking to you, man. Yes, sir.